Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets, including first, last or anytime goal scorers on all Premier League fixtures. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favourite online betting company. We've got wall-to-wall football for the next few weeks, with games being played nearly every day. And with the Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals and more to create your own personalised bet. And if you can't watch all the games live... With Bet365's Match Live feature, you can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only. Please gamble responsibly. Hello and welcome to You Irons, the West Ham podcast from the good people at The Athletic. My name is Sam Delaney. As always, I'm joined by the Athletics West Ham correspondent, Rashane Thomas. What a roller coaster weekend it's been. It was a wonderful performance that we all enjoyed on Saturday against Norwich. Uh, Mikel Antonio, a hero for our times, um, turning in the first four goal performance since I think David Cross in 1981. We all felt great. We all felt felt euphoric. We were all planning for next season in the Premier League and a rebuild. By the end of Sunday, we're all feeling a lot more timid because sod's law, every other team around us gets the result, Rashane. How are you feeling now? I mean, at one point, at the game on Saturday, I was like, yep, West Ham are safe. One of the best performances of the season. Six points clear of the relegation zone. Happy days. And now it's like, oh my goodness, of all weekends for Aston Villa and Bournemouth to win, it like, had to be now. It just had to be now. So I'm, st- I'm still confident that West Ham will stay up. Because the best thing about this scenario is it's still in our hands. We can still beat Watford, can still beat Man United, although they're in really good form right now. Can still beat Aston Villa last year of the season. So the the best thing is it's, it's, it's in our hands. We don't have to allow another team to like do the work for us. So if I were David Boyes, that would be my message to the players. Also, if you look at our performances, the reason I have hope is that the games that we've played in since, you know, the Wolves and Spurs games were poor performances. But since then, even Burnley, which we lost, and Newcastle, which we should have won but drew, I feel that we've demonstrated belief in every game. So even off the back of a really disappointing result against Burnley, we went into that Norwich game with real belief about the way we we were playing, like we were going to score. I think that Mikel Antonio said after the game, there was no way we were leaving, or he might have tweeted it, there was no way we were leaving today without three points, right? And I think that mental attitude, it reminds me a lot of, we had Marlon Harewood on recently, didn't we? Or a few weeks ago on the show. And we were asking about that great team that got promoted, then reached the cup final that he was in with Rio Coca and Zamora and all the rest of them. And he, he really, he described it in this special way. I can't remember the words he used, that they were a young team who went into every game genuinely believing they were going to win it, like not even con- contemplating the idea of losing. It doesn't seem like a particularly West Ham trait that. I'm not saying this team has quite captured it yet, but I do think they're performing in every game with a belief that they're good enough to win and good enough to stay up. So Moyes has obviously got inside their heads, I think. Exactly, and West Ham have also created a lot, a lot of good opportunities in the last couple of games. Created some good chances in the game against Burnley. Also created a lot of good chances in the game against Newcastle. So it's not as like, as you mentioned, we haven't been playing well. We were playing really good, in fact. Just haven't been able to put them away. But against Norwich, the team were clinical. And Antonio in particular. And for me, it should be a case where like the players should show the, game, the result against Norwich wasn't a fluke. 
That should be my mindset heading into the game against Watford. Show it wasn't a fluke, show you can do it again and also produce another 10 out of 10 performance. Right now, we're offering listeners a 30-day free trial with The Athletic for a limited time only. Go to theathletic.com forward slash West Ham pod to sign up and try our great content up until the end of the season. There are some great West Ham articles on the site right now, including the inside take on the latest on the future of Mikel Antonio, who's only got a year left on his current deal, despite scoring those four goals at the weekend. You'll also have access to some of the best football writers in the business, such as Daniel Taylor, Oliver Kay and Amy Lawrence. And you can access our whole network of podcasts ad-free. So go to theathletic.com slash West Ham pod to try us out. I felt so good when I woke up on Sunday morning. I felt like all I felt there was a weight off my shoulders. I didn't have to worry. Not only were we staying up, but I've started as we talked about in the last episode. You start to really look ahead quite confidently to next year. You know, to Moyes getting a chance to build his own team. And we already see the beginnings of that team in Suchek and Bone. Got to be one of the best double signings we have made in decades. Uh, At least they look that way at the moment. And he sort of, but then by the end of Sunday, you just think, where on earth did Villa and particularly Bournemouth pull those bloody performances out from? Because they had shown no signs whatsoever until yesterday that they were capable of of anything remotely as good as that. I know, it's so true. I mean, they they really couldn't buy a win. Villa and Bournemouth couldn't buy a win. And now of all weekends where we we put on one of our best performances this season, we win. And you know what it reminds me of? I think it may have been the uh, 07 season where West Brom looked down and out. Looked like they were relegated. I mean, went on that magical run and stayed up. Yeah, under Brian Robson. For yeah. our sake, I hope that doesn't happen for, for Villa and Bournemouth. Because that would be terrible yeah. for West Ham. So that's what it sort of reminds me of. their sort of recent resurgence. The Villa Palace game, I sort of, I felt obliged to watch it. Um, because it was of su- such high significance to West Ham. Because I thought, if Villa lose that, and I was also expecting Bournemouth to lose as well, I thought, we're, you know, we're, we're going to be safe. And it was an awful game, awful game. But Palace, when it was nil-nil, Palace scored, right? And it it went in off, I think, Sacco's shoulder. And VAR ruled it out. And as soon as that happened, and, and Villa had looked awful till then, they looked like they, they wouldn't have a clue. You could have The game could have run for eight hours and they wouldn't have had a shot on goal. I, I mean, VAR has had an absolute mare this last week anyway. And that was just another one. I don't know if you saw it, Rashane. But if Palace had taken the lead, I think that Villa would have crumbled because their confidence was so low. And they should have taken the lead. It went in off the bloke's shoulder, the top of his shoulder. I mean, unless, I mean, I can't keep track of the rule changes, but surely that's not a handball, is it? Well, I'm going to be honest, I didn't even watch the match, but <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree with you. Well, you, you didn't you miss much. I mean, I'm just bitter about that one incident, but it was an awful game. If you think about VAR and the amount of time it's gone against West Ham, not even playing, but teams in around opposition, it's just ridiculous. It really mm. is. Mm. It really is. So much so I'm thinking of actually doing a piece on the amount of time VAR has gone against West Ham this season. Do it, mate. Talking of the wonderful pieces you've uh, written recently, uh, all of which are available to read on The Athletic, of course. I-, I liked the piece you did this weekend after Antonio's incredible performance about the way in which Moyes has successfully converted him into, effectively, I mean, I think Glenn Hoddle said in the co-commentary that he, you know, he, he said he's been as good as any centre-forward in the Premier League since the restart. I mean, 
he's not makeshift anymore. He's a top-class centre-forward, isn't he? 100%. And, well, you know, during the, the match, I was thinking, what am I going to write? Obviously, it's got to be about Antonio. And I was also, I was always going to do, like, the comparison between Arnautovic. And then I saw your tweet. I saw your tweet about, you know, Moyes transforming Arnautovic into top centre-forward. And I was like, bang on the money. Bang on the money, Sam. So, so I, gave you the, I gave you the idea. <laughs> You gave me the idea, pal. Good. That's you good to know. I'm glad. Now, I want to make it clear to you, mate. On this occasion, I'm not going to ask for any monetary compensation for giving <laughs> you that idea. I mean, it's reward enough just to hear you say that. Um, but it is interesting, isn't it? He did the exact same trick. I mean, I, you know, Anatovic hadn't played up front for us once. And people forget that our memories of Anatovic as a top-class forward are based entirely on half a season and it was the half season that Moyes came in and converted him he, he played him two games on the right and then converted him to a centre forward the rest of his history our form turned around completely as a result of that so he obviously knows what he's doing and people say you know there's still a lot of people who are hating on David Moyes and can't stand the idea of him being our long-term manager I'm coming round to the idea of him sticking around as I know you are people say he's a defensive coach but the secret to our success both times when he took over and saved us the first time and now this time is he's changed the way that we attack, hasn't he? 100%. Moyes, the visionary, strikes again. <laughs> strikes again. And if you think about someone like Antonio, great work rate, always works for the team. Such a player who just always gives us all. Such a player who just, he could play right back, left back, centre back, Antonio would do it. Such a team player, but he's never been renowned for being a, a like clinical goal scorer. And I'm looking to the stats. The most he scored for West Ham is nine goals during the uh, uh, the season on the billets, 2016-17 season. Yeah. And that's yeah. the most he scored in the Premier League, and he's he's one short from that now. He's currently on eight. And again, you have to give Moyes a lot of credit. He looked at Antonio and thought, yeah, he can play as a striker. Obviously, we have a Jetty, we have Alexander Silva. You know, they both. Well, Zanis Silva promising but untested that top flight. And obviously we know Moy doesn't really fancy a jetty. So credit for Moyes for looking at Antonio thinking he can he can be my guy. Halle hasn't been consistent this season. I'm gonna I'm gonna put my, all my chips on Antonio and back him to do well. And he's done that. Now he's, now he's currently the uh, top goal scorer and credit all credit to Moyes in my opinion. Do you think they're gonna offer him a new contract? They better offer him a new contract, otherwise <laughs> I'll start my own protests. Yeah, Myself yeah. and Andy from Hamish United, we can start our own protest protests if we don't give him a new contract. Obviously, Just- he, his contract expires next summer. West Ham have a one-year option. But if I was West Ham, I'd offer him a contract right now. Yeah. Today. Yeah. He yeah. Yeah. It. Yeah. Definitely. And just lastly, the new lads, Bowen and Suchet, we talked about them a lot. But again, great performances, uh, both against Burnley and um, Norwich. I thought. Exactly, and Suchet had a few good chances against Norwich. It could he have did, been six. Yeah. It could have been six nil. <laughs> yeah. It yeah, could yeah. have been six nil. Yeah. Bowen's been incredible, and. The thing is, right, everyone sort of forgot about Snodgrass because that's the sort of role Boris doing on the wing, just cutting mm. in and and uh, having great chances. But yeah, as you mentioned, both have been perhaps the best double sign in the past decade. I can't think of any other players who had the sort of impact that they have. Yeah, it's exciting stuff. Uh, just quickly, um, you've got a piece coming up about Mark Noble and a big landmark that's coming up for him, right? Correct. Against Watford, Mark Noble, provided he doesn't get injured in the warm-up, will make his 500 appearance for West Ham, which is just an incredible achievement. You think about nowadays in terms of loyalty, players moving for big money. I mean, it's just incredible what Martin was able to achieve over the past couple of years at, at West Ham. And 
obviously listeners were able to uh, read the piece on Friday, but just speaking to like his his previous managers, uh, former teammates, everyone speaks so well, Mark. And the only thing we're like frustrated about is that he was never given a chance to play at least what at least been called up to one England squad. Yeah, that's the yeah. only frustration we have. So it is a shame. Um, he played well against Norwich. So I've got to be honest. You know, I love Mark Noble. But I thought it was a mistake when I saw him in the starting line. <laughs> I against, agree. I, I did because I thought to myself, well, we're playing well. And I think that's because he's not in the team because he slows the team down. But it was interesting. Again, Moyes, the visionary, yeah. played him as an, the advanced midfielder of the three, which I wasn't expecting. And, you know, to be fair, Norwich were overrunning midfield. They, were, they weren't really at it in midfield. So, so he probably had more time and space than he would usually get. But it didn't half make him look like, you know, the Cockney Pierlo. <laughs> I know. If you remember the, uh, the game against Tottenham, Moyes actually played free in midfield that day with Suchek, Grice and no one. It didn't mm. work. No one kept giving the ball away. So I feel like if the three of them are to like, play together, this is the formation to use. And, and as you mentioned, it worked. It worked well on Saturday. They'll probably do the same against Watford. That's coming up on Friday. And we're going to be previewing that game, which is now looking like an absolute, not a three-point, not a six-pointer. I'm calling it a nine-pointer. <laughs> a, a huge game for us to look forward to. And we'll be previewing that next. Hello, I'm James Richardson, host of the Totally Football Show, now part of the Athletics Podcast Network. We're going to be here following all the action as the 2020 football season reaches its belated conclusion. And if you're an Athletics subscriber, you can now hear exclusive ad-free versions of our show on the Athletic app. And don't worry, if you're not a subscriber, you can still listen to us for free with the occasional word from our sponsor by searching for The Totally Football Show on Apple, Spotify and all the usual podcast places. The Totally Football Show with me, James Richardson, still totally free and now totally ad-free on The Athletic. To help us look ahead to this huge (laughs) nine-pointer against Watford on Friday night, we're joined now by The Athletic's Watford correspondent, Adam Ledenthal. Hello, Adam. Hello. How are we? Are you? Ex- uh, I'm all right, thanks. Are you excited? <laughs> you looking forward to Friday? Oh yeah, it's going to be great, isn't it? It's going to be a festival of football, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> I was so so nervous. I think it's um, it's going to be a real nerve jangler. It's it's basically the decider to um, work out who's going to be the low hanging fruit for either Bournemouth or mm. or Aston Villa. So um, yeah, I I'd like to say I'm I'm confident going into it, but uh, I'm really not. Yeah, I mean Watford. I felt when when the restart commenced, I felt that they were looking safish and won. You know, I, I thought it was the bottom three plus us really in the mix. I mean, is that the way you felt? Were you are you, were you feeling more confident when things restarted? Um, I was I was a lot more confident after the first game after restart, which was a one-one draw against Leicester City. Um, which considering what Bournemouth did to them makes it look like a bad result now. And then, you know, subsequent to that, it was where Watford didn't kick on from that. They had a foundation, um, but then they lost against Burnley away narrowly. They could have, you know, could have got something out of the game. And then they lost almost uh, limply against Southampton. And they had to try and recover with some sort of performance against Chelsea. And and it was a, it was a 3-0 defeat, but they did actually take some positives out of that. And then, 
obviously responding with with the wins against Norwich and Newcastle, that's great, but they were always going to be must-win games and it would have been great for Watford if they'd been able to pick up some points um, before these two back-to-back wins because they always knew, and this is what it's going to come down to, they always were going to be finishing the season with Manchester City at home, which could be any number of goals against. We know that full well. 8-0 earlier on this season, 6-0 in the cup final. They beat everyone else by that sort of margin anyway. Um, And then finishing the season away at Arsenal. So they only had seven games really to budget for and they burnt through too many games at the beginning. So it it sort of ramped up the tension into uh, the last couple of games, which they won. Great. But, you know, other results elsewhere have made this finale so tense for, for everyone involved. What do you think the performances have been like, though? These two victories, I mean, there are victories and victories. We were just saying, Roshane and I, that we feel, you know, we feel very confident about the way West Ham are performing. Even we, we lost to um, Burnley and the game before that, we, we drew a game that we should have won against Newcastle. But even in defeat, we could see that this was a team who was starting to believe in themselves and could create opportunities. Um, so... You know, I'm not trying to trash talk you or get inside your mind, but we're feeling confident as fans. What what are Watford looking like when they're out there on the pitch? Um, I think that the last two games have been um, poor in terms of first half performances, but then in the second half, they have looked a lot better. So they're coming into the West Ham game off the back of a second half performance against Newcastle, which was probably the most cohesive that they've looked uh, since restart. Um, so I think that they they can have um, confidence going to the London Stadium. They will have in the back of their mind the way that they performed against your boys in the third game of the season when uh, it was a sort of it was a bit of a battle. And then I think it was pretty much when Mikel Antonio actually came on um, and changed the game. And then Haller scored two goals, you know, relatively quickly after each other, um, and that sort of that killed it. So. In terms of confidence, I think it's going to be whether Nigel Pearson can get them really tuned in to start the game well, because they don't want to get behind against, you know, a West Ham side who are obviously full of confidence. And that, that Norwich game, um, I suppose it's it's good to have confidence for your boys, but effectively you you were beating a side that was that was always going to be beaten. But I suppose it was the, it was the way that you did it. And the fact that you did it with a you know, a smile on your face. That's 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 what really matters at the moment, isn't it? Just having that sort of res- reservoir of of confidence. And yeah, I, I would put you as as strong favourites. But then, you know, who knows what's going to happen in in these sort of games? We've seen some random games between West Ham and Watford of late. Of course, as Alex Ferguson used to always say um, to his players when Manchester United came up against West Ham, he'd just simply say, "Come on, lads, it's West Ham." <laughs> and I think we all know what that means. And it's as true as if you're a Watford manager, as if you're a Manchester United manager. It's West Ham. There's always a bloody chance. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's true. true. I just got a message on my West Ham group on WhatsApp from a mate of mine, Darren, who's written, I feel a bit like Wilder when Fury got up from the canvas in the last round. <laughs> I honestly thought that was it. That is exactly how yeah. I felt yesterday. It must have been the same for you, Adam. Bloody yeah. Bournemouth and Villa. Why are we even involved in this? I'm busy just having to play out a friendly one-all with each other and then shake hands afterwards. Yeah, I, I, I genuinely thought that that was going to be the case. And I thought, you know, obviously integrity and everything that would, uh, you know, n- would never happen, of course. Um, yeah. But yeah, you could see them sort of going through the motions and thinking, look, 
that this, yeah, well, let's look after each other. But now it's sort of completely changed the dynamic because I think that, you know, Aston Villa's run-in looks, looks pretty sort of tasty now, cons- considering what, um, you know, they've got to face. They play Everton on Thursday, so they will potentially have closed the gap to just one point by the time that we're playing. Um, you know, they face Everton and then they've got Arsenal at home. They can probably win that considering what Arsenal are like at the moment. And then obviously they finish with your boys. So I think from from Watford's point of view, and this is from a selfish point of view, I know obviously we're, we're talking on a, on a West Ham podcast here, but what Watford need to do is get something from the game at the very least, because that will then mean that you boys potentially will have to then play against Aston Villa on the last day of the season and still be needing something with the expectation that you're not going to get anything against Manchester United. But then again, you know, in the past, Carlos Tevez and all that, you know, who who knows what's going to happen against Manchester United. But it's, um, yeah, it's going to be a, it's going to be interesting to see how Nigel Pearson approaches this game, whether he treats it as a game that we simply can't lose um, and sort of packs out, almost drops in, has a, has a back six almost, and then tries to hit you on the break. Um, which Watford have done to, to good success um, against Liverpool earlier on this season. They were basically had a you know a string of six defenders across the back and then did break break well. Um, or whether he goes toe to toe and says, "No, look, we've got um, tools in our in our armory, the likes of Ismail Assar, um, Danny Welbeck, Troy Deeney from the penalty spot, hopefully um, that that can you know hurt hurt West Ham." So. It's going to be fascinating to see to see what happens, how it all pans out. I, I just um, and I think it will be affected once again, like this weekend, by what happens with with Bournemouth's performance against Manchester City and by Aston Villa's performance against against Everton as well. Because goal difference at the end of the day could well come uh, into the whole equation because it's it's actually pretty tight now. Watford also have to play Man City, so that could swing the the goal difference too. So it could come down to us having to go down to head to head. Who knows? We'll see. I don't want to give any intel in case Nigel Pearson's listening, but when you describe the two possible approaches, I think, Rashane, I don't know if you agree, the one that worries me is the idea of them stringing six across the back. Nigel Pearson's teams are well-drilled. They're going to be fit. They're going to be fighting. And I think, you know, as we saw against Burnley, West Ham struggle against that kind of a setup because sometimes in the Premier League, unless you have a Dimitri Payet, you know, or a De Bruyne, or someone of that nature who can pull something out back to unlock a defence. It's it's very hard when it's, for West Ham. It's we don't we struggle when teams just decide to sit there like that, don't we? No, I'm actually confident to be honest. What <laughs> <laughs> Watford could play eight at the back, we'll still be fine. We'll still be fine, Adam. We'll still be fine. So. <laughs> I hate yeah, all this fighting we'll talk. Where's all this fighting talk come? <laughs> but but to, you remember when um, we did the the season preview or the restart preview? Yeah, you yeah. were you know, I, Sam, you were probably a little bit more glass half empty. But Roshane was yeah. you know speaking about the fact that yeah, the, the performances, although the run going into lockdown wasn't great, the the um, the performances were good, and that's sort of bearing out now that you've actually sort of kicked on. So. You know the natural end to this season will will hopefully be for your boys on a, on a high, um, but just if it could just start from Saturday yeah. onwards, that, yeah, that'd yeah, be great. Yeah, and know. against Man United, I'm afraid not. I'm afraid that this is uh, Moyes will have his eyes on those three points and then putting things to bed. Adam, would it be fair to say the one player West Ham should look out for uh, on Friday is Troy Deeney? Uh, 
I I would say so in terms of well, I wouldn't I wouldn't well yeah maybe I should say that yeah just focus on him and, <laughs> then, and then you won't worry you won't worry about his he, he, I feel like he he always has a good performance against West Ham yeah I think but but there was there was something going on between the section of West Ham fans and him. I remember he did a bit of a, a sort of an antagonistic celebration in response to at, at London Stadium maybe last season. So there was some sort of vibe. I don't know the ins and outs of it. And he seems to be the sort of player who's motivated by that kind of needle. Um, so it might be to our benefit that there's no fans in the stadium yeah, uh, on Friday. But he does, yeah, he obviously loves loves that sort of um, to and fro with, with the crowd. Um, but I would say, you know, there are other players that will be more harmful to West Ham's back line, and that will be the likes of of Saar and Welbeck, because they've actually been showing either side of Deeney that when they get to the line, I mean, against anyone, Saar is going to do damage, you know, however good your side is. So if he can get to the get to the line and get crosses in, that's the problem that Watford have had that they haven't. Does he actually play on the left or the right? Forgive so, my ignorance. So Saar plays on the right, Welbeck on the left, Deeney in the middle. So you know, yeah, Deeney's going to occupy bodies. And if the the flick-ons um, go the way that they they should do, those two players can also get in behind. And over time, over this this um, restart, the synergy has just been starting to get there. So hopefully for Watford, the the um, the connection will be will be there on on Friday night. But it's not necessarily a guarantee. There are still issues in that front line for Watford because basically Troy Deeney is a talisman. He's a leader and everything. But maybe he's not as mobile as, as Watford need at the moment. And it may well be, who knows, that he might not be available because he did um, hobble away after the end of the game on Saturday uh, with his with his right knee really, really strapped and he's had to have it drained. He's had to have injections, all that sort of stuff. He'll want to get through it, obviously, um, but there is always that concern that he might actually be um, pushing it a little bit too much and might not that be might not be too useful uh, on the pitch. So we'll, we'll just have to see. So it might be that Dini's not there anyway. Rashane, give us a score prediction. 2-0 West Ham. Wow. Adam, are you prepared to give us your own? Uh, it, it's a hope of um, 1-1 or 2-2. Right. Two, two. I think we'll concede, but I think we can score. Yeah, it's rare that West Ham keep a clean sheet. We did it on Friday for the first time, in on Saturday, sorry, for the first time in months. I doubt we're going to do it twice in a row. And for that reason, I'm going to say 3-1 West Ham. But, I mean, who knows? These get cut off. I've seen far too many of these games over the years that West Ham are involved in. Anything can happen. Adam, thanks ever so much. One thing, though, one last word I would say is I don't want any West Ham player, just this is for looking after you, because I remember when Dimitri Payet got ahead of himself and there was a Rabona cross into the box for when West Ham went 2-0 oh, up against I was Watford. sat right there running. Yeah. He placed it. He placed, he placed it. it onto the head of um, uh, Mikel Antonio. What exactly. A goal. It was a great goal, but all the Watford yeah. players and all the Watford fans went, hang on a minute, don't Rabona us, don't take the... <laughs> and, and and it proved that Watford actually did yeah, use that as, as a catalyst. Four two in the end it was. So there we Four go. Two. Oh, all right. Good well, luck, gents. You know. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Old times. Old times. <laughs> uh, okay. Cheers, Adam. Thanks Take for care. joining us. All the best. Uh, uh, you too, Rashane. Um, I'm glad that you feel positive, mate, because you know you're you know you were positive at the restart, more positive than me, and I think you know you're usually right. So let's just hope that next time we talk after the game on Friday, 
we'll both be celebrating because I, I, I think one more victory, victory against Watford and we can start to properly relax, right? I agree. One more win and West Ham should be fine. Should, should be fine after that. And if you look at the games against Watford, Man United and Aston Villa, we actually haven't lost against them this season. So, yeah, true. plenty of, plenty of uh, reasons to feel encouraged, West Ham fans. Alright, well, okay, we will speak again soon. Thanks everyone for listening. This has been UIN's The West Ham Podcast from The Athletic. Thanks for listening and remember, ladies and gents, there's only one, Samasia Boo.